Again, it's such an honor and a privilege to be sharing with you this wonderful gospel of grace, this wonderful good news that we have in Christ Jesus, this wonderful word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for what you're doing in our lives. We thank you for the depths of your word, the riches of your word. We open our hearts to you and we say, God, come, come and have your way. Come and teach us your word today. We pray this in Jesus name. Amen. So we're continuing and we're talking about the attributes of God. And today we're going to focus on the omnipresent God, the omnipresent God. The great Puritan preacher and author Thomas Watson said, God's center is everywhere. His circumference, nowhere. Isn't that quite a powerful statement? God's center is everywhere. His circumference, nowhere. You know, the definition I like of this crucial subject that we can't really fully grasp is this. To be omnipresent is to be present everywhere, simultaneously and indivisibly. And when I say indivisibly, I'm basically saying when God is somewhere, he's there as God. It's not like just a part of him. He doesn't have to be like us where we say, you know what, part of me will be there and then, uh, but my mind will be somewhere else. All right. Uh, or I have to, we have to split our resources. He doesn't have to do that. He can be fully present with you and fully present with me. That's the great God that we serve. That's the great God who we call Father. Isn't it amazing? So to be omnipresent is to be present everywhere simultaneously and indivisibly. I believe that God is fully present in all his creation, whilst no part of that creation can contain him fully. Isn't that amazing? There's no place in all of creation that God is barred from. This means that God does not just observe from afar, but he's actually there. He's there. And that's why the Bible describes him as Yahweh Shammah. Often we say Jehovah Shammah, the Lord who is there. In Ezekiel 48, 35, when Ezekiel had this vision of the city, he said, the distance all around will be 8,000 cubits and the name of the city from that time on will be the Lord is there. And you know what? Wherever you go, whatever you're doing, you can declare that, you can claim that because indeed God is there. Indeed God is there. A heathen philosopher once asked, where is God? The Christian answered, let me first ask you, where is he not? John Arrowsmith shares that. In Jeremiah 23, verses 23 through to 24, Am I only a God nearby, declares the Lord, and not a God far away? Who can hide in secret places so that I cannot see them, declares the Lord. Do not I fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord. This is something really so powerful for us to meditate upon. Because you see, sometimes we focus on his imminence that, yes, Jesus is here. Oh, he's with me. And we become so, um, so inward focused and we forget how big God is. That he's not just here, he's also there. So God is both transcendent, but at the same time, he's also imminent. Isn't that amazing? He's the creator of the universe doing these mighty works, running the universe in history, does amazing things, yet at the same time can be so personal. I 
think that's awesome. In Acts chapter 17, verse 27, it says, God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he's not far from any one of us. So we see the Bible emphasizing that, you know what? God is far, but he's also near. Peter Dahan wrote, God's omnipresent is big and grand and all-encompassing. It also means that he's intimate and personal and readily accessible. In other words, God is both transcendent and imminent. God is our ever-present help. He fights our battles. He, he's so present with us to protect us, to comfort us. And this is why he gave us the Holy Spirit. Do you remember Jesus says, I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit. I'm going to give you another comforter, another counselor, right? So God is with us by his spirit. God is spirit. And again, sometimes we humanize him. You know, no one else is omnipresent. This is one of um, the incommunicable attributes of God. Only he is omnipresent. The devil is not omnipresent. There's only one devil. The Bible says that the, the devil roams around the earth, seeking whom he may devour. And you see, sometimes we might say, oh, I'm fighting the devil. But you're probably fighting his demons. Okay, It's like um, a, during World War II, some people might travel from the U.S. and say, I'm going to fight Hitler. They probably weren't fighting Hitler directly. They were fighting one of his soldiers. All right. So he, he is, he's the only one who's omnipresent. He's the only one who's omnipresent. He's with us to comfort us, to protect us. And I love how scripture describes him because he's the God who goes before you, but he also comes in behind you. He also comes in over you. Isn't that amazing? Okay. And for us who are believers, he's in us too by his spirit. So he gives us the Holy Spirit. God is spirit. So important to understand that God is spirit and therefore he's able to do this throughout the universe as he wills, as he wills. Because God is present both in the past and also in the future, there is power in actually asking him to reveal to you his presence with you during times of past pain and wounding. It's amazing when this happens, where you can actually say, God I'm experiencing this pain from this thing that happened to me in the past. Reveal to me, Jesus, the healer of my emotions, right? The healing balm of Gilead. Reveal to me where you were and what you were doing at the time when I was inflicted with that wound. And it's amazing he will do so because you see he's in your past and he's also in your future. Isn't that so powerful? There's supernatural healing that can come to your soul as you become conscious of how he was present with you even in the past. You see, we can't fully comprehend this attribute, you know, but we can apprehend it. God's omnipresence must not be confused with animist beliefs. You see, animism, okay, that comes from the Latin anima, which is breath or spirit or life, okay, it's the belief that objects, places, creatures, um, and, you know, like all of creation, that they possess uh, some kind of spiritual essence, all right? And potentially animism perceives all things, animals, plants, rocks, 
rivers, weather systems, human handiwork, and perhaps even words as animated and alive. All right? Uh, but that's not what we're talking about. As Bible-believing Christians, we do not believe that God is in all things. In the sense of, oh, God is inside, is in that rock. Okay? And so that rock is spiritual. You know when people speak like that. Okay? But we believe that he's present everywhere. But he's not that rock. He's not that tree. Right? We also do not believe that all things are divine. Although creation is an expression of his artistry, obviously, and it's an expression of his divinity, right? So this omnipresence of God is one of those incommunicable attributes of God. Only God is omnipresent, okay? Only he is omnipresent, and we need to acknowledge that, you know? And God clearly wants us to know that he's, he's everywhere, he wants us to know, and that's why he teaches us this in scripture. And we see this in some of these scriptures. In the book of Psalms, 139 verse 5. And then I'm also going to read 7 through to 10. You hem, you hem me in behind and before. That's how close he is to you. And you lay your hand upon me. Imagine that. When you're walking out in the dark, when you're in dangerous places, whatever you're going through, Imagine that, picture that, right? His hand is upon you. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. He's the high and lofty one, isn't he? Okay, he's transcendent. He's the transcendent one. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, that's the east, right? You are there. If I settle on the far side of the sea, he's there. And remember, the sea for them was the Mediterranean Sea, which is on the west. So he is ever, south, north, east, west. He's there wherever you go, up, down. He's there. See, God is not just in good spaces, but even in darkness, he's there. That's why it says, if I go down to Shale, if I go down to the place of the dead, you are there. And it's important to understand that when you went through difficult times, doesn't mean that he was not there. Ask him to reveal himself to you in those difficult times, whether past or present. Say, God, show me where you were, because that's where the healing comes. I like what Herman uh, Bavink said in the doctrines of God. He is more inward than your heart. Wherever, therefore, you shall have fled, there he is. From yourself, whither will you flee? Will you not follow yourself wherever you shall flee? But since there is one more inward, even than yourself, there is no place where you may flee from God, angry, but, do, but to God reconciled. There is no place at all whither you may flee. Will you flee from him? Flee unto him. Some of you might be running away from God. Maybe you're running away from the call of God. Maybe you're running away from holiness. Maybe you're running away from radical Christianity. I don't know what your situation is, but stop trying to flee because you can't. You can't. 
What is important for me to also explain in this message is that we can distinguish between his omnipresence and his manifest presence. I believe we can look at scripture and we see that, wait a minute, God is everywhere, but he doesn't manifest his full character and all his goodness everywhere. We don't experience all of his glory everywhere, although he is everywhere. And that's why the job of the believer is to literally seek God's face and figure out what things do I need to do to usher in his glory, do them more and more. There's certain things he's attracted to, right? God is, he's a, he's a, has a personality and any personality likes certain things and doesn't like certain things. You know, um, if I like you a lot, I will visit you a lot. I will talk to you a lot. If I find you very draining, I'll avoid talking to you. So you might not experience the fullness of a conversation with me. And I believe that God also operates to some extent like that. And that's why there are places where we experience his manifest presence and other places where we just know he's there, his omnipresence. Look at the case of Moses as he led the children of Israel. Ask yourself why Moses was so desperate for God's presence, for this powerful manifest presence. In Exodus chapter 33, verses 14 through to 16, the Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Now, why did God have to say that? Surely Moses knew that God is omnipresent, but he wasn't just talking about his omnipresence because that was obvious. God is everywhere. He was talking about his manifest presence. He was talking about his glory. He was talking about his goodness. My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? He's not just talking about his omnipresence. He's talking about the presence of God, the glory of God that is manifest, that distinguishes his people says, what else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth if we go without your presence? And you see, as believers, this is what we need to be crying out for. God, we need your presence. God, we need your presence. In Isaiah 57, 15, it says, for this is what the high and exalted one says, he who lives forever, whose name is holy. I live in a high and holy place, but also with the one who is contrite and lowly in spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. So what qualifies us for greater dimensions of manifestation? It's brokenness. He says he's the high and exalted one. Some translations read the high and lofty one. But guess what? He is also with the broken in spirit, the contrite in heart. Do you keep disqualifying yourself from his presence where God is saying, I want to show up in your midst? Where does that actually come from? Where does it come from? Does it come from a, a guilty conscience perhaps? Where you just feel like, uh, uh not me. No, it's okay for me to just know that God is somewhere around, but his manifest presence, mm, that's a bit too much. And I sometimes call this self-deauthorization, where God actually qualifies you, but you are the one who says, not me.
This is too much because of a guilty conscience. And that's why scripture shows us that he doesn't just forgive us of our sin. What he also does is he cleanses us of a guilty conscience. Look at the manifestation of God's presence in specific instances in scripture. In Matthew 18 verse 20. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. So does does it mean that he's not everywhere else? I thought we've just said he's omnipresent. But no, he's there in a special way. He's there in a special way. We, We ought to maximize on this promise. That each time we gather in his name, he says, I'm there with you. And not in an ordinary way. I'm there with you in a very powerful way. In a very powerful way. We must maximize on this and not take it for granted. Ask yourself, what's the implication of this? That when two or three are gathered in my name, I am there. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 6, in the ESV it reads, But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. Now some translations just read, um, your father who sees in secret, who sees what you're doing in secret. But I love it in the ESV and also in the original language. It's interesting because it's the word crypto and it literally is secret or hidden. And it's basically highlighting that God, when you're saying, I want to meet with you, Lord, I want to do business with you, Lord, and you're not doing it for show. God pitches up there. He is in secret. He is in that hidden place. When you have an appointment with him in that hidden place, he is there. So there are places where he loves to show up with his manifest presence in a special way. Now, what does God's presence come with? When we say God is there, what does his presence come with? I believe that one of the things is that his presence comes with his voice. In Isaiah 30 verses 20 to 21, it says, Although the Lord has given you bread of privation and water of oppression, he, your teacher, will no longer hide himself, but your eyes will behold your teacher. Your ears will hear a word behind you. This is the way. Walk in it. Whenever you turn to the right or to the left. So he's present there with his voice to guide you, not from afar, but from near. In the book of Psalms 32, verse 8, it says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. And it's amazing because if you study that word, I, the eye of the Lord, it's not just talking about God seeing you from afar, right? It's talking about his presence very often, that his eye is upon you. His countenance is upon you. He has not turned his countenance away from you, right? If you read in scripture, sometimes when it says that um, his countenance was turned away from you, sometimes it's translated, his presence left you. But his presence is there. He's omnipresent. It's just that he turned his face away. And I think it's so powerful, right? I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. My loving eye on you. Isn't it amazing? Sometimes you might be feeling alone. Sometimes you might be feeling abandoned. But I want you to know that his loving eye is upon you. Trust him for that. Okay. God's presence comes also with his protection. In Proverbs 15 verse uh, 3, it says, 
The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. So he watches the good and he also watches the wicked. And so here's the thing about his presence. His presence is observing and his presence is not experienced in the same way by everyone. Again, important to understand this, okay? Because the wicked, when they're doing the wicked things they're doing, there's a certain type of conviction that they may experience, right? Those who are doing good, there's a certain type of experience and peace and comfort they may experience because the Lord is with them. In the book of Psalms 23 verse 4, Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff. They comfort me. God is with you in whatever situation you're in. God is not just in good places. It's so important to understand that. Sometimes we've got this mindset that God is only in a church building. No. God is not just in so-called good places. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I don't know what valley you are facing, but guess what? You don't have to fear evil because God is with you. His rod is there with you. His staff is there with you. That voice is there behind you saying, go this way, go that way. I like what uh, Wayne Grudem and uh, Jeff Perswell said uh, when they wrote, God's whole being is present in every part of space or at every point in space. It is also necessary to say that God cannot be contained by any space, no matter how large. Isn't that amazing? That's just how big this wonderful God of ours is. God cannot be contained in the four walls of a church building. He's too big for that. And when you understand that, it's got major implications when it comes to your ecclesiology, in other words, your understanding of church, and also when it comes to our passion for reforming society. Sometimes I will experience God's anointing so strongly when I'm in the marketplace doing a seminar there than even when I'm preaching in church because God is interested in that space. Look at 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 27. It says, But will God really dwell on earth? The heavens, even the highest heaven, cannot contain you. How much less this temple I have built. Sometimes we're so proud of ourselves. You know, we have this building project and we do this and we do that and we're like, oh yes, this is where God lives. You know, but sometimes we have to have this mindset. How much less this temple I have built. In Acts chapter 17 verse 24, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. So the things we build with our hands cannot contain him. He's too big for that. Isaiah 66 verse 1. This is what the Lord says. Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Where's the house you will build for me? Where will my resting place be? A.W. Tozer said, God dwells in his creation and is everywhere indivisibly present in all his works. He is transcendent above all his works, even while he is imminent within them. In Joshua 1 verse 5, No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. This is talking about a special manifest presence. 
And I believe that it's your portion as a believer to say, yes, Lord, this is for me. Now, we all know that God was with Moses in a special way. And then here he declares to Joshua, encouraging him, saying, in the same way that I was with Moses, I will also be with you. You see, his presence will not feel the same for everyone, unfortunately, or fortunately for some. If you look at Matthew 28, verse 20, for those of us who believe, again, similar to Joshua, this is Jesus' promise. He says, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. So remain on that mission. And he doesn't just say, of course, my omnipresence, yeah, you know, my spirit will be with you like he is with everyone. No, he says, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. He's with you in a very special way. But it's not the same for everyone. And this is what we need to understand. If you look in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 7 through to 9, it says, This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. What's the gospel of our Lord Jesus? The good news of our Lord Jesus that says, I've died for you. This is my life receive it. Verse 9, they will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. And you see, these are the consequences of not receiving Christ into your life. And maybe you're in that space right now where you're trying to flee from his presence, but you can't really flee from it. When scripture here says they'll be shut out from the presence of the Lord, it's not talking about his omnipresence. Because I'm going to show you right now that when the wrath of God is executed, um, the lamb, Jesus, will be there. All right. And people will be actually trying to run away from his presence. You see. This is talking about the manifest presence of God. It says they'll be shut out from the goodness of God, from the manifestation of his glory. All those good things we talk about when we talk about his glory. In Isaiah chapter 2 verse 19, it says, People will flee to caves in the rocks and to holes in the ground from the fearful presence of the Lord and the splendor of his majesty when he rises to shake the earth. You see, God's glory, as I always say, can be such a beautiful thing, but it can also be such a terrifying thing, depending on where you are at with him. Thank God we have the blood of Jesus. Thank God he's shown us his mercy. And so when we see him, when we experience his presence, we can enjoy his presence. But it's not going to be the same for everyone. I cannot teach this message about his omnipresence, excluding this. I cannot exclude what I'm sharing with you now. In this day and age, everyone is, you know, so many people are very casual about these kinds of things and like to emphasize certain aspects of God's nature and God's attributes that are attractive, that are easy, that are comfortable. But look what it says. It talks about his fearful presence, the fearful presence of the Lord and the splendor of his majesty. In the book of Revelation chapter 6, 15 to 17, then the kings of the earth, the princes, the generals, the rich, the mighty, and everyone else, both slave and free, hid in caves and among the rocks of the mountains. Okay, famous people, people, Hollywood stars, whoever it is, okay, presidents of mighty nations, they hid, they were hiding from his presence. 
Verse 16, they called to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. It almost sounds like an oxymoron, isn't it? You know, the wrath of the Lamb. Verse 17, for the great day of their wrath has come and who can withstand it? May you not be one who has to hide from his presence. May you embrace his presence knowing that you're covered by the blood of Jesus. God is omnipresent and for the believer this is such a comforting thing that God knows all things but he doesn't just know from afar. He's right there with you, right there with me. Inward, outward, above us, beside us, behind us, in front of us. This is a powerful, radical, comforting thought for the believer. But for those of you who have not yet received Christ into your life, I want to give you an opportunity now to turn to God, to make yourself right before God, and to receive this gospel of grace, this good news that Jesus died for you. If you want to pray this prayer, just pray after me. Lord Jesus, I surrender to you. I come to you now receiving the gift of life that you have offered me. Come and make me whole. I turn away from how I've lived and I turn to you. I want to be born again. I want to be born of your spirit. I receive you as Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. That is a very strong prayer for you to receive Christ into your life. If you want to play this again and really listen to those words, do so. And then from there, make sure you get discipled. Be a disciplined follower of Christ. Get into the word. There are many false teachings all over the world right now. But get into a word-based church and learn more about Jesus. Get into a Bible-believing church and learn more about the Lord Jesus. Let me pray for us all. Father, I thank you for what you're teaching us concerning your omnipresence. Father, I thank you so much that you are with us and that your presence comforts us. Father, I pray right now that you would raise up men and women who go into the nations and warn the people concerning your wrath, concerning who you are and what your standards are, concerning the good news that you died for us, that you dealt with this thing on the cross so that we may come to life in you. Father, come and have your way in our hearts and lives and help us to live lives conscious of the fact that you're with us. May we be those who practice your presence at all times. May we walk in your manifestation, in your manifest presence, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.